Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. I want to just take a few moments and, um, and, and think about some of these uh, look at this, and then have one little thought tonight. I actually have three, and I'm going to try to uh, end it up at one tonight, a one-point outline. Uh, we kind of went over the end of this list, a short list of English translations. There's so many more. This is certainly uh, not a complete list, and um, uh, by far, by far. This, these are some of the ones that are a little better known, I had someone text me uh, last Thursday morning after the service Wednesday night. They'd carried home one of the pamphlets, and they could not believe how many times that Christ is left out and the blood is left out. And uh, on the average, there's about 80 word changes per page. If you take all the modern versions and, and combine them together, about 80 about 80 words per page. Every time you flip a page, 80 more words have been changed. And, uh, and so I want to kind of, I want to think about that for just a moment tonight. I quickly want to uh, mention some of these. And uh, these that are, were uh, printed uh, somewhere in the 1500s. The Wycliffe Bible, Tyndale, Coverdale, Geneva. There were a few others. Uh, the uh, Matthew, uh, several different ones. For the most part, uh, these tra English translations in the 1500s were just partial Bibles. Uh, nobody in their lifetime could translate the entire scripture. And some of them, the men would start uh, in, their, in their older days, and they perhaps would get the four Gospels translated. And, then, uh, and so unto that time, there wasn't a full uh, 66 books of the Bible in the English language available to people. Several things had to take place. Um, and so, uh, if we can move on to the next. Um, then in 1611, that's just 100, 100 and something years later, after those five or six main ones, of course, the, uh, the uh, King James authorized version. I'm not going to get into the King James very far tonight. There was, um, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but just to, Put a couple of labels out there, a couple of thoughts out there. Um, the um, most uh, everything printed before that time. There's there's three things, two things that that happened, two things that were going on. Uh, three of them. One of them is they didn't have a complete Bible, and then if they did have a complete Bible, it was usually reserved to, for like, maybe the Catholic Church had one, and uh, maybe some of the other. Uh, uh, Anglican churches, they perhaps had one, and uh, just a copy here and a copy there, a copy here and a copy there. And so a couple of things happened in this period of time, and uh, the uh, printing press had, uh, had just been printed, uh, had just been uh, uh, produced and invented, I should say, in, uh, in the, in the mid-1400s. But it wasn't available for printing out large 
volumes of Bibles. And so, uh, and, then, and then the third thing being this, the, um, uh, the, the English language was changing. And I have some copies, we'll put them on the screen next week, uh, of what is called Old English, the original English language. How many of you have ever seen any of that? Well, we'll show you some on the screen next week. We have some, like the 23rd Psalm in Old English. You might recognize uh, the word Lord or something along that line. And uh, then, of course, as the English language was developing, it went from the Old English to something that was a little bit easier to understand, much more like what we have today, and it was called the Middle English. And it had words like said, S-A-I-D would have an E on the end. And in the original, uh, in, in the first printing of the King James Bible, and some of you may have some of those, uh, or at least pages of them or something along that line. I have uh, a, a 1679 um, rendition of it, translation of the King James Bible. And, uh, and, so, um, and so then there was the Middle English. And it was a little much easier to read. You can pick out, we have some uh, verses that way. And then, of course, the Modern English would come along a little bit later, after the King James Bible. And so when the King James Bible was printed, it was for the most part in uh, the Old English and the Middle English. And so then two or three times, and I have the dates on this, it's like in, the, in 1635 and 1659 and, and, uh, and 1675, somewhere along in there, they, would, uh, they didn't change the Bible. The King James translation is today as it was then, with the exception of perhaps uh, some word changes, uh, word spelling changes. And so here's the wonderful thing about it. We have God's word in the English language that you and I speak. And then, and then moving on quickly, uh, there was uh, in 1833, uh, Webster, there's a, a Webster edition. And, uh, and again, it was, he was still using the, the 1611, Webster was, but he was going in and doing some uh, correction as far as the change of the English language. Not that he was correcting anything, it was just bringing the English language up to date. And that happened multiple times along the way. Do we have that? Do we have that, that list? Should have. There we go. About 275 years. Then we have the uh, Revised Standard Version. And uh, many of these, that's in, uh, in uh, 1885, the Revised Standard Version. Um, in 1885. And so... A couple of hundred years have passed by, almost three centuries have passed by, and then more and more um, versions, versions start to come out. The revised version in 1885, and again, many of these were just, uh, most of them uh, were changes for the, from the King James Bible, like the current ones are for the most part, and not, not translated from the original text, and uh, not translated from the Greek and the Hebrew and some Chaldean and all those kind of languages. Uh, some of them were, were translated from some uh, Catholic-produced Bibles. And, uh, and so it was just, it's just kind of a hodgepodge 
of Bible translations. And so you see, all of a sudden, in uh, 1898, the Revised Version, the American Revised Version, they changed the names, and uh, I guess to protect the innocent, 1901, the American Standard Version, and the Amplified Bible. I have an Amplified Bible at my house. And at one time, I had maybe a copy of most of these. I don't know what happened to them, maybe up in the attic or something. We collect them in here. Sometimes people would leave them. And uh, I have a little collection of them at the house. Then, um, then um, uh, 1901, the American Standard Version, the Amplified Bible. Then it skips about 50 years. And uh, there's more revisions that are being made, more revisions that are being made. And now serious changes are taking place in the next... 70 years, uh, there would be just, well, I can't think of another word for it, but horrific changes or whatever they might be, uh, changes in the actual wording of the Scripture. Many of these up to this point, they were just, you know, they were, they were just trying to make the language a little bit more contemporary to the society, and, um, and that seemed to be a trend. Um, and then, and so then in, 1952, now you're about uh, 52 years later, the Revised Standard Version, uh, 1966. I was born in 1950, so all of these have come since I was born. In 1966, good news for modern man. And, um, and then a little bit later, 71, the New American Standard Bible and the Living Bible came out that year. In uh, 78, the New International Version, I think that's one that's used by the, the uh, Jehovah Witnesses. I think they use that one. And then here's a new King James. You've got to have a revised one. You've got to have a re-revised one. And now you've got to have a new one. And uh, it's not for language purposes anymore. There's two or three things that are, that are, that are gearing all of this up. Uh, one thing being, it is there are huge, it is a large ministry the printing and the selling of Bibles. I think I gave you some of the statistics on that the other day um, about how many, um, how many, I think the Bible outsells every year by about 400 million uh, any, any other book in the world. Um, and then uh, the list goes on and on, the New International Version, uh, then the New King James Version, 1982, and then the New Revised Standard Version. So... You know, you know what they're doing? They're just, they're just priming the pump again. They're just going back to the well again. And so every time one of these comes out, they sell, the, it's, it's a multiple billion dollar industry every year. And so these publishers and Bible printing agencies, Nelson and Cambridge and, and a long list of those, they've got to keep something coming out. They've got to keep something coming out. And if you go to the average bookstore, it could be a Baptist bookstore. If you go in there, they'll have a whole section of many of these from about 1978, New International Version. They'll have the Good News for Modern Man and the, and, uh, the Living Bible and uh, all of those that have. And then over here on the side, they have a little section of uh, King James versions. They're, they're pushing the sales uh, all of these, with the exception of the King James Bible, they're all copyrighted. Your King James Bible isn't copyrighted. And uh, so, you know, there's a minimal amount of money. I mean, you know, it's not some kind of conglomerate that can say, hey, all of this is mine. You know, all, and, and every time the cash register goes ka-ching, 
Uh, these other companies are, I'm telling you, they're rolling the dough in. And there's not that much money to be made on, um, you know, uh, outside of, the, uh, of printing those Bibles. Uh, 1995, the Reader's Digest Bible. That's the condensed version. And that's what I want to get to tonight here in just a moment. We'll close. The condensed version of the Scripture. I read, I, I looked at one of them one time. It's about two-thirds of your Bible, about two-thirds of your Bible. Uh, that would be if you took out uh, maybe all, almost all of the New Testament, if you just tore the whole New Testament out of your Bible. Uh, we're going to look at, not tonight, but next week, we're going to look at Jehoiakim, that uh, he took the pen knife and cut the pages out of the Scripture and threw them in the furnace and burned them up. Uh, what's, what's, what's the reasoning behind that? You know, why, why would somebody want to condense the Bible? Why would somebody want less of God's Word? And so all these things just kind of mingle together. They just kind of uh, roll together, if I could say. And then the English, now the English Standard Version, then the New English Translation, and then the Modern English Translation, 2014. And uh, then the uh, uh, Christian Standard Bible. And then now there's, in 2020, they put out a 365-day Bible. And then there's a teenager Bible. And there's a Bible for uh, whatever's going on in your life. I want to take just a moment and, and go back on this matter. And I, I want to ask a couple of questions tonight. I, I want to I think about and just kind of uh, think about uh, just one thing. Slow down for just a moment and... Um, and think about this. Um, I think it's number. Uh, I think it's number. Should be number eight on our on our screen. Um, why is it an issue today? Why should Bible translation translations be an issue today? Why should Pastor Ward make it an issue today? I want to think about one thing tonight, and this is a. This is a. I think that it's important. Psalms 11, verse number 3. Number 1, God's Word is a sure foundation. Why, why should these translations, why should they be an issue today? Because we know that this is the foundation for the Christian life. I, I got some statistics today. Somebody sent me some that was put out through Citizens Impact here in the state of Georgia. Brother Paul Smith, we, we uh, support them. Uh, they work at the Capitol and all those kind of things. And it was a whole list of, of uh, it was like 28% of, of the um, millennials. Only 28% of them even believe that there is a God. Only 28% of them. You know, somewhere or another, somebody allowed the foundation to erode. It, it either happened in their home or it was maybe, maybe the church neglected the importance of God's Word. I want you to see this tonight. I want you to see this before we go home. Here's what he said in Psalms 11:3. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I ask a question, and I'm answering the question with a question. I believe that the Word of God is a foundation. It's foundation for the home. It's a foundation for personal life. It's a foundation for, the, for uh, schools. It's a foundation for families and churches and communities. It's a foundation for nations. 
If the foundation is destroyed, what can the righteous do? I think that that's a, I think that's a legitimate answer to all of this. You know, and um, why is it an issue today? Number one, because God's Word is a sure foundation. Let's look at number two. They're in the book of Ephesians. I'm, I spend more time in Ephesians chapter number two. I got so many notes on the pages, I can't hardly see the verses. But look what he said down in verse number 19 uh, through verse number 22. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Number one, why is it an issue today? Why am I taking time with it? Why, do, why did I order all of these pamphlets and so on and so forth? It is the foundation that we're talking about. I've got this book. It's, I'm, I've got maybe two dozen books about um, the um, Bible translations, interpretations, different kind of versions, all those things. I've I got a whole big old stack of them. This is my favorite one. Not because it's written by Dr. James Jones, which is my daughter's father-in-law, Stephen's dad. Uh, it was written by him, and so I don't have to get permission to use I have him. He's on speed dial on my phone and all those kind of things, so I don't have to worry about And I use some things out of here, got some information out of here. But in this particular book, out of all the other 8, 9, 10, or 12 that I have, this, this one in the forward talks about the foundation, about the foundation. And until we understand the reason that we need this Bible and we need this whole Bible, it is the foundation. If the foundation erodes, then you won't have much of a building. Number two, not only do we see in Psalms 11.3 that if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? But we see in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, God's Word is our building. We, this is, God's Word is our building. That's, that's our place of refuge. That's our place in, in the book of Psalms. The psalmist likens the house of God. He said, he said thank God for the, uh, the tabernacle. He calls it uh, the pavilion. And um, uh, there's four or five different names that he calls it in the book of Psalms. The, church, the word, God's word is our building. Got to have a foundation. This building has a foundation. And then you've got to have a building. You've got to have a building. Why is it an issue today? Why does it matter if they leave the blood out 45 times? Why does it matter if it leaves heaven out 50 times? Why does it matter if they cut two, uh, a third out of the scripture? Why does it matter? Number one, because God's word is our foundation. Number two, God's word is our building. And then closing in the book of Jude, in the little book of Jude in um, in verse number three, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of, this com of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write <coughs> unto you and exhort you, look at this, that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. The word of God is our sure foundation. The word of God is our building. 
Number three, in closing, the Word of God is our responsibility. I believe it is the responsibility of the church to make sure. That's why we support ministries like Barren Precious Seed. They've planted, multiplied millions of King James Bibles, and then they've translated them into I don't know how many different languages. We support ministries like Victory Press there in um, outside of Pensacola in Milton, Florida because they're printing Bibles. They're printing God's Word. They're printing God's Word. It is the responsibility. I tell you, when, when the children of Israel got in trouble in the battles is when they let the enemy start making their swords. Almost sound like America. You know. Let the enemy make the, the weapons. It's the church's responsibility. God's people have the responsibility of maintaining the word. Mom, dad, Sunday school teacher, pastor, youth leader. It is our responsibility to make sure that our children don't become part of that huge group that only 28% of them even think about it, even think about it. For the first time in the history of our nation, we dropped well below 50% of church attendance in 2020. You've got to have a good foundation. Let's stand for prayer tonight. Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, I pray that you would take these scattered words and use them for your honor and for your glory. pray that you would help us as we try to make ourselves approach this word like you would have us to. Lord, may it be precious to each of us. May we do our very best to promote it. And Lord, I thank you for the thousands of Bibles we've been able to give away through this ministry. Tens of thousands of Bibles. Lord, help us, strengthen us, undergird us. May our foundation, the foundation of Victory Baptist Church, over 50 years ago established that the book that would be used from this pulpit would be the authorized King James Version. Lord, as far as I know, that's what we've used. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen the generation to come, the Lord tarry His coming. Lord, we know it could all change tomorrow. Lord, help us to live as though it may be another day or another day. Help us to love Your Word. It's not enough to have it and believe it, but that we might use Your Word. It's not enough to carry it high up under our arms. But Lord, we must hide it in our hearts. Bless this book in our hearts and in our lives, in this church and our families. In Jesus' name, amen.